0: It's a very sophisticated dick joke That's exactly you know, what's going they're on They're
1: gonna get rejected by hot girls eight times a week Who gives right. a shit about the crowd in Billings? Well see that that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, I mean that's a it's great like, point though What I really though. wanted was
2: Tanya water, I
3: said mama I want it Mama I need it I've got to have it I've got to have it, she say. It soon come. It come when you need it. It soon come. It come when you're ready. It soon come. It come when you're able. It soon come. It soon come, come. and I say, thank you, mama, thank you, mama. You ride, you ride, you ride. Thank you, mama, thank you, mama. You ride, you ride, you 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 ride. Thank you, mama. Thank you, mama. You ride, right, you ride, right, you ride. Right. Thank you, mama. Thank you, mama. You ride, right, you ride, right, you right. I say, mama, I want it. Mama, I need it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. She say, it soon come. It come when you need it. It soon come. It come when you're ready.
1: to say that they would rather switch. What do we got to say? Yeah. Fight the power! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we got to say? Yeah. find the power! Come on! What we got to say? Yeah. find the power! Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we got to say? Yeah. find the power!
4: Come on! Yo, check this out, man. Okay,
1: talk
5: to me about the future of Public Enemy.
1: Future of Public Enemy got a...
0: Yo, Corey, man.
6: And welcome to Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it's Juneteenth, 2020. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're in San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land. To learn more, please go to Ramaytush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com. You can learn about the history of the land we know as uh, San Francisco, the folks who have been here, as well as please check out the... Shumi Land Tax, and that's S-H-U-U-M-I Land Tax, and that will bring you to the Segorite Land Trust page. Please donate if you are able. And also, I'm going to uh, sit down. I, yeah. Yes. Taking a breath, taking a moment as I go in to share some info. All right, so, also... Another resource for folks to donate to and to check out is the Indigenous Mutual Aid Network. And I'm going to share the info with you all um, momentarily. I forgot to make a note of that yesterday when I was putting together a list of things to talk about on the show today. So uh, it's coming up momentarily. So if you go to indigenousmutualaid.org, it's a mutual aid support network. And I really want to encourage folks to go. There is, uh, you can donate for the emergency fund. There's resources, there's news, um, support, lots of information. So again, that's indigenousmutualaid.org. Speaking of which, uh, somewhat related, the Christopher Columbus statue was removed from San Francisco around Coit Tower. And initially the plans were for folks to uh, move it into the bay. To take it down, move it to the bay, and the city was like they just went ahead of schedule and did it. So glad to glad that statue was gone. Also in Portland, there was a George Washington statue, I believe, and there was a video footage of someone setting like the American flag on fire, and I think that statue came down as well. Or I don't don't quote me on that, but uh, let's just say that uh, that George isn't doing so well. So cool. Okay, if you're listening to the first time, thanks for for tuning in. I'm a little bit jittery this morning. I biked over for the first time in weeks, and I'm a little bit out of breath. I'm a little bit sweaty, and uh, just going to get myself all situated here. We play music here throughout the show. Start off with a song by Monica Spirit McIntyre, and uh, Spirit has a band camp page that you can find uh, their music at, and that's from the album It's Soon Come. Also, following that <laughs> is Fight the Power by Public Enemy, and Elvis is Dead by Living Color. Okay, so uh, I will be playing some (laughs) clips today as well as going over a few news articles as well as sharing upcoming events. Uh, I like to just share a lot of what's happening, and there are so many ways that folks can show up and participate. And that's one of the main reasons I do this show is to inform myself, inform others, and as a reminder that there are so many ways to show up, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, uh, lots of ways to show up. Uh, one thing that I've been doing is just sharing information. Uh, it's, it's a start, and I'm grateful for all the folks who've shared information with me, shared resources, shared classes, shared articles, um, had conversations, and that's how—that's a big way of for folks, myself included, to evolve. Okay, so uh, I'm really—if uh, there was a video camera here, video camera, a camera, you could see I'm just really feeling a little bit. Uh, Oh, I wasn't even on the bike that long, but I'm just, woof, Uh, catching my breath here. So I did want to start off by, um, oh, that's not the right thing. Here we go. So KQED um, put out an article yesterday uh, about Juneteenth and upcoming events, as well as the history and the meaning behind it, and... In the Bay Area there's a lot of events that are happening so you can find this if you go to kqed.org and this was on their news section this was written by Carly Severn and it came out on June 18th Juneteenth 2020 in the Bay Area what to know where to go so they um, have a, it's a pretty long article there's the meaning of Juneteenth as well as who gets Juneteenth as a holiday Lots of information and ways to also honor Juneteenth virtually. And uh, so I'll I'll skip down to that part there. Uh, Most years, Juneteenth celebrations in the Bay Area are all about coming together in person to celebrate black community, culture, and history. But the coronavirus pandemic means that many local events are happening virtually. And so folks at KQED Arts have compiled a list of online events you can join and stream for free. The highlights include uh, jazz legend, Marcus Shelby's Juneteenth and the Blues, delving into Juneteenth's history and resonance with live music, readings, and poetry, a streamed performance of Vincent Terrell Durham's play Polar Bears, Black Boys, and Prairie Fringed Orchids, uh, meditation on police killings of black people and the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as a special broadcast of the Other Minds radio show exploring the music of black American composers, including Matana Roberts, Moore, Mother, and Ben Lamar Gay. Due to shelter-in-place orders still in effect around the U.S., a host of national Juneteenth events are now available to experience online in a way they perhaps wouldn't have been previously. For example, via 619's map, and they provide a link here, and I'm going to click on that so I can share where the link goes. It's map.619.com, and they, uh, if you go to that page there, they have a lot of events that are listed around the world. And I'm going to go back to the original article and so from that map on uh, for 619's map you can join an online Juneteenth demonstration in Baltimore or a virtual house party marking the day in Georgia so lots of events that are listed there and there are also ways you can honor Juneteenth in person many while many of the Bay Area's Juneteenth events have opted to go virtual this year to limit the spread of the coronavirus again there are still in-person gatherings protests and celebrations to mark Juneteenth taking place on Friday which is today and across the weekend Highlights from the event roundup from KQED Arts include in Oakland, there's a Juneteenth West Coast port shutdown happening now uh, in a caravan to Frank Ogawa Plaza, also known as Oscar Grant Plaza in Oakland. Also in Oakland, there's a rally for Huey P. Newton Monument with Frederica Newton at Alameda County Courthouse. Also in Oakland, there's the Black Mass Juneteenth Spoken Word and Drum Circle at Lake Merritt Amphitheater. In San Francisco, there's the March for Freedom and Justice from the Ferry Building to City Hall. I believe that's starting around 1 p.m. And in Palo Alto, there's Defend Black Lives protest at City Hall. And they also have a a list um, on the website of even more. There's uh, so many more. And they also provide the links to some of the um, virtual events that I mentioned earlier. So they have... There's so much that's already happening right now. So turn off this radio, stop listening, (laughs) and go check out what you can. And yeah, plenty around the Bay. Um, There's a whole list. There's stuff happening also in Antioch, Santa Rosa, Fremont, Santa Clara, Pittsburgh, Livermore, and Palo Alto. So again, if you go to kqed.org, they have a whole list of events that are happening today. Also, on I believe KQED, they shared a link to the film Take This Hammer, The Director's Cut, from 1963, uh, which was presented um, by the Bay Area Television Archive in August 2013. And it's, Uh, let's read a little bit about it here. So uh, KQED's mobile film unit follows author and activist James Baldwin in the spring of 1963 as he's driven around San Francisco to meet with members of the local African-American community. He's escorted by Youth for Service's executive director, Orville Lester, and intent on discovering. And they um, just have quotes that are listed here, and a lot of it is still very accurate in terms of what the situation is like in San Francisco and the dwindling black population here. So there is a link... um if you go to, it's on uh, diva.sfsu.edu forward slash collections, um, Take This Hammer, Director's Cut. It's about an hour long, and I was considering playing the audio version of it. There's also a, uh, they do say that there is a copyright on it. So I might play like a little bit of it um, so folks can, yeah, so we can hear a little bit. So I'm going to do that right now, just play a little bit of this. Again, this is from Take This Hammer, the Director's Cut. sure everything is ready to go here, and we'll also, yeah, I'll be back in in a little bit.
7: San Francisco? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm gonna tell you about San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco ain't did a thing for me. I mean, ever since I got out of high school, I had a couple of jobs, I worked at a couple of hack companies and uh, warehouses. I mean, after a while they say, uh, well, uh, I guess we're going to lay you off for a couple of weeks, you know. All right, they talk about the South. The South is not half as bad as San Francisco. You want me to tell you about San Francisco? Yes. I'll tell you about San Francisco. The white man he's not he's not taking advantage of you out in public like they doing down in Birmingham. But he's killing you with that pencil and paper, brother. When you go to look for a job, can you get a job? Can you get a job, Winkle? This is San Francisco Americans pretend does not exist. I, I they think I'm making it up. National Educational Television presents Take This Hammer. This is a film report on a visit to the city of San Francisco by the novelist, essayist, and playwright, James Baldwin. Mr. Baldwin's guide on this tour of the city is the executive director of Youth
8: for Service, Orville Lustre.
7: Uh, they pay their dues. Do, they don't know why liberal boy turns to a junkie, or why, you know, why when he does carry, life, why he carries. They they aren't able to make any kind of connection between the aspirations which the country expects expect him to be contented with, and the and simple fact that he's a human animally, just like everybody else. And when he's emerging from, is only more or less frustration and demoralization. and at least in the south, it's all burnt. But you know, but here in such city as San Francisco, where Everyone is so liberal and so, so civilized and so literate. It's all under the rug. Or maybe even a cellar where it can where it can't up in a house. That's the truth. I think the truth is that everyone one hand, is fundamentally capable of paying his dues. But no one pays his dues willingly. The white man, like the black man, like any other man on earth, can pay his dues if he realizes that's what he's got to do. As long as you think there's some way to get through life without paying your dues, you are going to be bankrupt. The bill has come in. It's not coming in. In. The very question now is precisely what we've got in the bank. This, of course, is everything we think we have. Everything. And Birmingham is an instant, you know, which may become a shrine. But it's really crucial is whether or not the country, the people in the country, the citizenry, are able to recognize that there is no moral distance. No moral distance no distance between the facts of life in San Francisco and the facts of life in Birmingham. There is no moral distance, should say no distance between President Kennedy and Bull Connor because the same machine put them both in power. We've got to call it, you know, we've got to tell it like it is. And that's where it's at. Oh! Redevelopment also. What do you mean You say redevelopment meaning mean well, removal well. of Negroes. Uh, yes. That's unfortunate. In other words, now the Negroes who came because the uh, Japanese, Japanese were pushed Japanese. out now are being pushed out the themselves. themselves. That's right. In that's right. effect, San Francisco is reclaiming this right. this property right. to build it up, which means Negroes have to go. That's right. Mm-hmm. And in Where are they going to go? Well, they're going out to Hunter's Point and to the Area and also into Ocean View and wherever they can find reasonable rents. Yeah, South of Market and all these other places, wherever they can find rent. In other words,
9: going
7: going from one ghetto to the other. Yes,
9: yes. I like to point you with uh, San Francisco as a whole, and I think mostly what that's being watched here today is something black. And uh, young people go to school together, they graduate off the same stage, and then when it comes to jobs. The black face is not qualified, but they graduate, and my daughter has to go clean up the same girl's house that she graduates off the As I said, the most thing that's being watched is the black face.
7: What we were talking about last night, coming the airport, was the um, real situation of the business, as opposed to the image that the house that we'd like to present. why don't you tell me Well, one thing about it in this particular area, about 80% of the people in this area are uh, Negro. This is a real large housing project. Uh, there uh, is, as far as delinquency is concerned, we'll rank about four. Uh, the job situation is bad. This is a real black belt in San Francisco. Uh, and I think that, Lady over to yourself, Nichols, that is uh, representative of one of the indigenous leaders Tell me something, it may sound like a stupid question. It's a question I have to ask myself all the time. What precisely do you say to a Negro kid um, to um, invest in a morale which the country is um, determinedly shan't have? Or to spell that out more specifically, when dealing with, with a Negro kid you're you're trying and trying to escape? He can do anything he wants to do. How do you make him believe it?
9: That's a difficult question. I think that, uh, that one of the main things that we have to uh, 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 make him believe, you know, they say everybody can be the President of the United States. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then uh, then uh, this boy uh, grows up and he comes up at, at by the time he gets forty to fifty years old and he begins to find out uh, that uh, this, this is not true and to make him face be able to face what's coming to him in the future There will be a Negro
7: president in this country there will be a Negro president in this country why do you say that? we can't get jobs, president. how are we going to be a president? Got but I want you to think about this there will be a Negro president of this country it will not be the country that we have that seen now. But if you say to yourself, there never will be a Negro president in this country, what you're doing is agreeing with white people who say you are inferior, it's not important, really, yeah. whether or not there's a Negro president. I mean, in that way. What's important is that you should realize that you can become You can become the president. There's nothing anybody, anybody, do. you can't do. Well, the truth mm-hmm. is that you get the you get. get I don't, I don't think it's an exaggeration. It is. And even to get to the remote, me- most, most opportunity, that would be five times as good as somebody else around. Five times as good not only as a job, but this is what's so dangerous, I think. You have to have a certain, boys that I grew up with, I grew up with streets, all of them. And of the survivors, amongst all the survivors, is the a certain, ruthlessness. Which was absolutely indispensable when we're, going, when we're going to spy. and the country doesn't realize, I, I'm sure, that um, well, the operators, who are the who are really oldest, toughest operators in the world, when I say operators, I don't, mean, I, don't, I don't mean anything wicked. I mean I they looked at it, knows the story is, knows what he is, and doesn't buy any of the um, any of the moral jazz out of America. Place, the obviously. It live that by itself. There's a whole race of who are in effect an underworld.
6: Alright, uh, uh whew, difficult to, to cut that off here. It's about the first ten-ish minutes of Take This Hammer the Director's Cut, which again folks can find for free online um, through KQED, and the Bay Area television archive. Go to diva.sfsu.edu forward slash collections, uh, type in take this hammer, the director's cut, you can find the full 60, oh, it's almost 60 minute uh, direct uh, film. Okay, I'm going to take a bit cool. of a music break and then we'll be back with some more, lots more. Stay tuned.
10: Don't you know? We're talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know we're Talking about a revolution sounds
11: This is Louis Chavez, I am a DACA recipient, I am documented. I am here to stay. And these are the top 5 things you need to know about the DACA SCOTUS decision. After years of victories, fights and lawsuits, the Supreme Court of the United States decided on the DACA case coming down to a split decision between the conservative and liberal justice, with Chief Justice Roberts siding with the liberal judges. Number one, good news, DACA stays. The Supreme Court decided it had the authority to review the case and the way that Trump ended the program was reckless and unreasonable. This means DACA survives for now.
10: Number two, new DACA applications. Yes, the Supreme Court decision says that the program should reset to its original mandate in 2012 and new application must be accepted. Now it's up to Trump to respond.
11: Number three, the Trump administration will most likely try to end DACA again. The administration has hinted that they will be pursuing other avenues to end the program. This decision does not stop the administration from ending the program altogether. Number four, celebrate. Let's keep fighting together. This is a huge win for our people. DACA was won by our communities, and it's not the last of our victory. Continue fighting with us. This is just a temporary victory. We must fight for permanent solution for our entire community. We must mobilize our communities to choose champions who will fight for us.
10: We need all hands on deck. Text decision to 877-877 to support immigrants now. Number five, donate to our DACA Renewal Fund. None of new applications must be accepted again. Immigrant youth will need your help. Donate at DACARenewalFund.com.
6: This was from the uh, United We Dream Network. wanted to share some information about the recent Supreme Court decision. And also, speaking of which, uh, earlier this week, they did decide 6-3 uh, to three in favor of having LGBTQ folks uh, giving some worker protections. So that's a positive thing, as uh, surprising as it may be. So, yes, good to celebrate the, the victories as minor as they may be. And often, as uh, we have on the show, the good news is often things that shouldn't even have to be uh, happening in the first place, where it's like obviously everyone should be able to be free to be as they are, who they are, where they are, uh, without law enforcement and colonialism coming in and taking lives and tearing apart families and throwing people in prison, etc., etc. Yet here we are, and do want to give my thanks and gratitude to all the folks who have been fighting for such a long time to create the type of world where everyone feels safe. Um, Speaking also of places that folks can donate, I did want to share a few local organizations that folks can support right now. Um, First up is uh, the Bay Area orgs and groups to support. First up would be the People's Breakfast Oakland, which is a black grassroots organization serving the people of Oakland, providing meals and packages to houseless communities in Oakland. And you can donate by going to linktr.ee forward slash pbo, and that's link. T-r dot e-e forward slash pbo. Next is the Bay Area Anti-Repression Committee Bail Fund, which is a bail fund for those who do not have the resources to bail or bond themselves, and you can donate at rally.org, and that's R-A-L-L-Y dot O-R-G, forward slash A-R-C bail fund. There's also the Black Earth Farms, which is a grassroots pan-African and pan-Indigenous farming collective doing community-supported agroecology in the east Bay they deliver free food to black people who have been arrested bailed and injured from protests you can donate to them through the cash app at the dollar sign black earth or on venmo at black earth farms I also want to encourage folks to support and donate to the anti-police terror project and you can find them at leave let me type it in make sure I'm giving you the correct website address that's okay let me try here, and uh, as I put that in, they've done a lot of really great work. Um, so if you go to anti-police-terror-project.org, and they also have some information about how you can also support the uh, There's a Justice Coalition that's up in Vallejo as well, holding police officers there accountable. And so again, if you go to anti projectorg you can also um, find ways to get involved in meetings and news and find out about protests and lots of other organizing that they're doing, donate. They also have a calendar. They also have a chapter up in Sacramento. Also, there's the Community Ready Corps, and they do trainings and a lot of other really um, important work. So I'm going to just type in their address. You go to uh, CRC, the number 4SD.org, which is... Uh, ready core for self so CRC the number four SD.org uh, you can donate to them as well a really great um, organization as well so I'm, st- oh. I'm uh, spraying my hands with the uh, alcohol that's the sound effects that we have on the show these days uh, cannot be too careful okay so next up Um, I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit of an article. There's been a couple of articles recently in Popular Mechanics about – they had one, I believe, last week about how to effectively take down a statue, which was really cool, whether it's just through people and through force and other ways through chemistry. That's a very, very, very abridged version. But if you go to Popular Mechanics and type it in, I'm sure you can find the info there. They also have an article that came out uh, two days ago, June 17th, written by – Lynn Hesco, Yang, and it's how to dodge and disarm the sonic weapon used by police. It's 2020, so it's something that we should, you know, have in our <laughs> have in our back pocket, right? <sighs> oh, goodness. There are some positive news stories, too. I want to just share that Milwaukee, the schools recently decided to no longer affiliate with their police, and maybe I'll just... Uh, crossover to uh, a lot of different school districts and schools are looking to disband the police and no longer have connections with their police department police should not be in schools i don't think they should be anywhere personally so it's a one another way that folks can show up is to talk to your local school district and uh, also your community wherever you're at and look to defund and eventually abolish police those funds could go to so many other places that would actually help people through housing uh, education Health care, f- affordable food, um, uh, yeah, programs for kids. There's a lot. There's a lot that those that funding can go towards that would actually be able to help people. Okay, so I will be going back to that article about how to outrun the, the LRAD, but first wanted to also share from the California Aggie, which is from UC Davis, and for folks – not familiar. UC Davis is up... It's near Sacramento. It's northern, northern California. It's in Yolo County. And there's a a guest opinion in the recent California Aggie newspaper, Disband the UC Davis Police Force Now. And this happened... This happened. It happened. It was published on June 14th, 2020. And there's a letter, UC Davis faculty members call on the chancellor administration to disband campus police, dissociate... Um, from other law enforcement agencies. And of course, many folks do remember there was the image of when students were protesting high tuition years ago, and then there was just a police officer who just went around spraying kids in the eyes. That was, and then UC Davis tried to like hide it to pretend that wasn't a thing. And this letter goes into it um, and a lot of other things as well. And, So they're calling, in addition, I'm gonna just, uh, I I do regret that this this program is only two hours long, and also, if it were more than two hours, that would be a lot, that'd be really, really overwhelming. Even at two hours, it's overwhelming. Even with music breaks, it's overwhelming. So I do wanna share this article, and folks, please do check it out to learn more. And the demands that UC Davis is, the demands that they are asking UC Davis is uh, to end its relationship with the City of Davis Police Department and other county, state, and federal police departments And security agencies including but not limited to the yolo county sheriff's department the california highway patrol the department of homeland security the fbi and the immigration and customs enforcement agency as part of this demand we want a public accounting of all existing contracts memoranda of understanding and other agreements with such agencies two is to dismantle and cease all funding of the ucpd and replace it with anti-carceral forms of accountability including restorative and transformative justice and community-led public safety. We also want to have a comprehensive report on the staffing, funding, and activities of the UCPD in terms of arrests, detentions, and investigatory activities. Presently, UCPD's operations and the impact of it on people of color and particularly black people in all UC communities are often obscured or known only to those who have suffered its effects. Three. Drop any strike and demonstration-related student conduct charges on this campus that resulted from Black Lives Matter or UC for COLA protests. And number four, redirect the resources from policing toward racial and gender justice teaching, research and community initiatives, as well as increased material support for black faculty. This includes resources for increased hiring and retention, staff, students, and workers on campus. The plan for the redirection of both immediate and ongoing resources should be developed by faculty experts in the field of Black and ethnic studies on campus, as well as by students, staff, workers, and organizations representing surrounding communities of color affected by the presence of UC Davis, as in the case of the Aggie Square development, with its inevitable gentrifying effects and consequent intensification of policing. All right. And that up by saying there is no reason why UC Davis cannot make these commitments immediately. The time for temporizing and task forces is past. The University of Minnesota cut ties and severed contracts with the Minnesota Police Department, MPD, a day after the death of George Floyd. The Minneapolis public school system did the same less than a week after. And the Minneapolis City Council pledged to disband the MPD, stating that it was time to end policing as we know it and to recreate systems of public safety that actually keep us safe. These decisions are informed by many decades of research and analysis by national experts and abolitionist organizations, including Critical Resistance, Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee, and many more. We urge UC Davis to uphold its stated commitments to the valuing of Black lives by doing the same and by doing so promptly. We ask that you respond to these demands before June 19th, which is today, the Juneteenth celebration at of the end of slavery in the U.S. in occasion. To which we have not yet been, we have not yet been adequate. Now is the time, and so then this is signed by a number of teachers, professors at UC Davis, quite a few. And also they say if any, uh if all faculty of any rank, including lecturers and visitors, are welcome to sign, and you can contact jclover Clover at ucDavis.edu or S. C-H-A-G-A-N-T-I at ucdavis.edu for a link to the signature page. So again, this is from the Aggie, the UC Davis newspaper. Okay. Now, on with... Ugh. Okay. So, meanwhile, before police are abolished, and hopefully folks listening to this in the future um, will be like, wow, that, wow, what a terrible time. It's, I'm glad that we no longer have police. That's my wish for the future. Um, in the meantime, how to dodge and disarm the sonic weapon used by police. The ARAD is like a car alarm from hell, and if you aren't careful, it could permanently damage your hearing. Again, this is written by Lynn Pesco Yang on June 17th, 2020, and it's in Popular Mechanics, which you can find at popularmechanics.com. I don't know why I'm so teary reading this, because, ugh, but it's helpful to, to know how to fight back. Audio producer Corey Choi was reporting on the 2014 Black Lives Matter protest in New York City when he first experienced sound as a weapon. Horrible nauseating pain hit my body, he tells Popular Mechanics. And then I realized it was sound. At first you just think, what's happened to me? Your body goes into complete pain and panic mode. It's the sound equivalent of looking into the sun. Despite his professional-grade headphones, the effect of the weapon, a long-range acoustic device, or LRAD, was so disorienting at first that Choi couldn't tell which way to run and was forced to randomly pick a direction. But he was lucky. People in the direct line of fire of the LRAD didn't run, he says. They just dropped to the ground and started screaming. Confronted with an unprecedented global movement against police violence and racial injustice, U.S. law enforcement officers have once again resorted to sonic warfare. What appears to be a projector, a box amplifier, or a loudspeaker mounted on a police car or strapped to an officer's chest is a relatively modern military-grade deterrent that creates powerful sound waves to disorient and injure humans in its narrow target beam. These devices vary in appearance and size, but every model has the same two capabilities. In one mode, the LRAD acts as an amplifier, projecting a human voice or recording across thousands of meters. In the other, it emits a deterrent tone so loud it can cause permanent hearing loss. The first LRADs were developed as military weapons in response to the bombing of the USS Cole off the coast of Yemen in 2000. Military officials asked the LRAD Corporation, now Genesis, but it's spelled, <laughs> I should say, but it, it is spelled G A N A S Y S, for a device with two functions to communicate at a distance with potential threats and to disperse them with an unbearable alarm like sound. These military-grade weapons soon found their way ashore and into the hands of police. Protesters have reported LRAD attacks by police at the no Dapple protests at Standing Rock, during the 2017 Women's March in Washington, D.C., and in dozens of other cities and demonstrations around the world. Over the past few weeks, as worldwide protests have erupted in response to the May 25th murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, Reports of police using LRADs against civilians have again poured into social media feeds. And with the renewed use of LRADs comes a renewed concern for their danger. Humans are regularly exposed to noise that can cause damage over time, but LRADs can cause lasting hearing damage in a matter of seconds. Marisa Ewing Moody, a black audio engineer who has been educating the public about the danger of LRADs on Twitter, tells Popular Mechanics, And they feature a tweet here. And you can follow Marisa on Twitter at sassy underscore composer. And so there's a a thread that they link here. Uh, Any sounds above 85 decibels can cause permanent damage to your hearing depending on how long you're exposed to them, Ewing Moody says. Normal conversation is about 60 to 70 decibels. Concerts and sporting events can be about 94 to 110 decibels. And a jet taking off can be between 120 and 140 decibels, she says. In contrast, some LRADs can create sounds up to about 160 decibels when used at their full power. Wow. The purpose of LRAD systems, according to the Genesis website, is to provide unparalleled long-range communication. And I'm not even going to fucking read what this fucking awful company is saying because it's all fucking lies. I'm not going to repeat their fucking lies. Okay, next up in the article, sound technicians and human rights defenders around the world have disputed the framing, which I refuse to read. I refuse to read what Genesis was saying, uh, comparing sonic weapons to other controversial dispersal tactics like tear gas and rubber bullets. Robert Ald, an audio engineer and former chair of the New York chapter of the Audio Engineer Society, is one of the many uh, in his trade who sees LRAD deployment as a military-style escalation of force. I would characterize it as a terror weapon, up there with tear, gla- tear gas and flashbang grenades, all tells popular mechanics. The latter are supported to be non-lethal, but they can hurt you. Same for the LRAD. The principle behind using an LRAD as crowd control rather than for long-distance communication is similar to the idea that being, uh, that behind a whistle or a siren, they all emit tones in the most sensitive range of frequencies for most humans. At a distance, an LRAD deterrent tone may sound like any other alarm. But while whistles emit sound waves in all directions, LRADs concentrate the waves in a narrow cone of sound, extending extending about 15 degrees in every direction from the axis, like a flashlight. This directional sound wave packs the typically diffuse kinetic energy into a tight space, bombarding those in its vicinity with a powerful tone that's an annoyance at a distance and a serious medical threat up close and they talk b- more about the um, mechanics of it, and I'm going to then go down just for find to share ways that folks can protect their ears and get out of the way. As reports of LRAD's use on civilians roll in, sound specialists and DIYers have scrambled unsuccessfully to find some way to mitigate the weapon's effects. Cheap foam earplugs provide some protection up to 30 decibels while covering your hands with your ears reduces noise by about 20 decibels. But the best protection is to get out of the direct beam of the weapon. Remember that LRAD beams sound in a narrow pattern, so move off to one side to get out of the main pattern, Alt says. In a widely circulated 2017 digital zine on sonic care for Protesters, audio engineer Daphne Carr laid out practical insights for responding to LRADs while in the streets. If it is used as a communications device, put in earplugs and check out the scene for routes of escape from possible injurious exposure, she wrote. They also provide a video here. Um, I'm curious about this. Um, Maybe we should play it? Yeah? Okay. All right, let's just, whoop, what did I do here? Okay, oh, (laughs) all right, let's... uh, Oh, it's 21 minutes, so I'm not going to play it. However, if you would like to uh, watch it, it's through... You can If you go to the article in Popular Mechanics, they have a link, and it's on YouTube. LRADs and sound cannons are not safe. And tw- again, 21-minute video about that, a little bit more. Carr suggested treating LRADs as a warning from police that they're about to escalate violence, even if it starts out as a public service announcement. And um, they're... I'm skimming down the article a bit more. They're asking if it's legal. In 2017, a group of New Yorkers sued the NYPD for damages resulting from sonic attacks during the protests that followed uh, the non-indictment of Daniel Pantaleo, one of the officers who murdered Eric Garner in 2014. And they also have a, they talk about a case in Pittsburgh, which a uh, bystander was awarded $72,000, who suffered permanent hearing loss from an al attack in 2009, 2009 and and yes okay so that's it so i guess just get out the get the fuck out of the way Uh, bring earplugs if you have them and share this information and i'd imagine that the video that they shared as well must must also have some more information so big thanks for that okay i'm gonna play a little bit more music and then i'm going to oftentimes i have guests on the show around 1 p.m and lately there's so much going on and i also recognize for activists and community organizers and artists especially um, there's so much going on and having interviews with folks I recognize also there's labor to that and there's so much also that's also pre-recorded so for the last couple weeks or so I have been in the process of finding previously recorded footage of folks who have already um, shared words of wisdom and much more information so I'm going to do that today on the show and that is a um Video about Black Trans Lives Matter and talking about intersectionality, and uh, lots more from a TED talk given by uh, DL Stewart, who's a professor and um, uh, a doctor. And yes, you can find that on YouTube, uh, Black Trans Lives Matter, DL Stewart. It's a a TED talk that came out in 2019. So I think I'm going to play a little bit of music to uh, that's a bit of a break and then we'll be into the, the next part of the show so thanks so much for tuning in and uh, we'll be back in just a bit alright and oh also music from the last block that we played Up on the Roof by the Drifters talking about a revolution by Tracy Chapman and I Know I'm Not Alone by Michael Fronty and Spearhead three of my favorite songs of all time All right, here's some uh, Star Amarasu from the major soundtrack, and play a little bit more music, and then we'll be back uh, with a TED Talk. Stay tuned.
12: Let your light shine, rise. Don't ever give up the eye You chose to be So why not be free? Let your light shine bright Don't ever give up the right You chose to be So why not be free? Let your light shine bright ever give up the right you chose to be, so why not be free? Let your light shine bright, don't ever give up the right you chose to be, so why not be free? your light shine bright don't ever give up the fight. you chose
0: And I
5: As you just heard, my name is D.L. Stewart, and I'm a faculty member here on campus at Colorado State University. But what's most important for you to understand about me right now is that I identify as both black and as transgender or trans. And yes, I'm going to talk to you today about how black trans lives matter. As I do so, I'm going to share a few scenes from my own life, mixed in with the ways that race and gender have historically and currently intersected to shape the lives of black trans people. Ready? Scene one. I am at home with myself. My body, a sovereign country. Sovereign meaning, it is superlative in quality. Of the most exalted kind having generalized curative powers of an unqualified nature, unmitigated, paramount, possessed of supreme power, unlimited in extent, absolute, enjoying autonomy, independent, royal. My body defies the restrictions of a society consumed by boxes and binaries, and are you a boy or a girl? Independent of such conventions, my body clings instead to the long-ago Lord that understood its magic. I contain multitudes. From this supreme power to name myself, define myself, and be myself, I stake a claim to myself and organize my resistance, a resistance that boldly proclaims that black trans lives matter. My body is a sovereign country and my first sight of resistance. End scene. To say that black trans lives matter is a claim to sovereignty. As much as black girl magic and trans is brilliant, black trans lives matter is also a chorus of resistance. Because black trans lives begin by defining our bodies as sovereign countries from which we first begin to resist the messages that we have no place here. We push whole movements forward on the strength of our vision. We set trends and create new worlds. We are the vanguard. Black trans lives have always mattered and yet, Caught at the time-traveling intersection of Juneteenth's Emancipation Celebration and Stonewall's Emancipation Declaration, black trans lives are both seen but yet unseen. Unseen by the anti-blackness of queer and trans movements. Unseen by the transphobia and trans antagonism of black movements. Our sovereignty and resistance are blocked by layers of systems and structures that have always sought to contain, define, and erase black trans bodies. Scene two. I am with my therapist. The one whose testimony I must rely on to declare me man enough to have my documents changed the one who is to be believed. Despite my own declarations that I am not this body, that this body is neither hers nor yours to define, I sit with this doctor and she fills out a form for me. And when considering what all I've done to affirm my gender, has the patient's gender presentation aligned with their gender identity? she decides that my gender presentation is more neutral, really. While I sit there, mind you, head to toe in clothing from the section of the store where the dress buttons go down the right side and my pants give away the number of inches around my waist and my hair is cut like Denzel's Man on Fire, but I'm still more neutral, really? Because she still sees and you see a black woman. And black women's bodies are always already made gender-less. End scene. From Mammy and Sapphire to Mandingo and Sambo, black bodies and our genders have been caught in the white imagination. And the imagination of whiteness is fanciful and powerful enough to turn its fancies into realities, imagined as a thing, we were made to become that thing. And so we have been bred like horses, fed like turtles to alligators, branded like cattle, milked like sows, made into oxen to plow. Gender did not matter, so long as our body parts, our arms and legs and backs, our breasts and genitalia could be turned into profit. The black body was made not white, and therefore not worthy of gender. And under the weight of the genteel tulle and virginal lace that dressed plantation mistresses, black femininity has always been denied. Instead, she is either beast or porn star, neither a proper gender, dehumanized, made a social threat that endangers civility, that puts civilization in danger. The angry black woman cannot be escaped, not even by a first lady of these United States. Likewise, ill-suited for chivalry and outmatched as masters and captains of fate, black manhood lays flaccid in the hands of white men's dominance. Body measurements taken. Speed measured. Draft pick forecasted. This is the NFL combine. Body measurements taken. Teeth and body cavities inspected. Number assigned. This is the prison intake room. Body measurements taken. Talents and abilities advertised. Teeth and body cavities inspected, name and value assigned. This is a slave's bill of sale. Made either stud or farce, he is not for his own pleasure, but rather for profit and jest. Athletes and comics contained, made not a threat. My gender is black, said Hari Ziad, because black bodies and our genders have been caught in the white imagination and we have always been transgressive. Transgressive meaning a violation of accepted and imposed boundaries of social acceptability. Blackness is transgressive. And once set free from social acceptability Blackness challenges the limitations of what gender can be. We have always been fugitives here. Escaping from gender surveillance to claim our sovereignty and right to exist and to live free, to proclaim as beautiful that which was made ugly, to defy convention, black lives and trans lives and black trans lives. And yet in this world, that fact that black trans lives make a difference, make differences, and make a matter of mattering is doused by the fire hoses of past and current denials of our rights to exist and resist. We must fight to be seen as we see through fences into the play yards we are kept out of. Scene three, I am at school The bell rings. It's recess. We line up to go outside. Those made boys on one side. Those made girls on the other. We file out of the doors. The boys stopping to fill in the closed off street. The girls and I walking across the street. Keep your eyes straight ahead, we are told. Because there's a park across the street but there's a wrought iron fence that encloses that park. This is where the girls and I play. Mostly I stand at the fence and watch as my fellows play ball in the street and be loud and be rough and be sweaty and I am behind the fence. Accused of thinking naughty thoughts, they have no idea. End scene. Sissified and bulldaggered, we are all made up. Just boys in dresses and girls in suits. The black transgressive body caught in fantasies of boxes and binaries that make our genitalia representative of our gender and our mannerisms our sexuality. Black trans lives are therefore written off as merely gay effeminate or lesbian butch. And the overlay of femininity on bodies marked as male and therefore as man adheres like a kick me sign, except the consequences are much more deadly. The majority of trans people murdered in this country are black, trans women. Because when manhood is located between one's legs and defined in opposition to womanhood, what's between one's legs cannot be seen as having anything in common with womanhood. And this same acidic wash serves to blanch trans masculinity, making it fade into nothingness. Black trans men become illusions of manhood, women merely playing at being men because <laughs> you can't get a real man. Forever put in our place, we are indelibly marked as women. And at best, the looming threat of black trans manhood is contained, inoculated, made more neutral, really. Scene four. I am with my therapist. I tell her what I think about as my body begins to slowly morph into another version of itself. What will happen as I move from the social threat of angry black womanhood to the physical threat of looming black manhood. When will my neighbors forget to recognize me and my pit bull? They've seen us nearly every day, pre-dawn or after twilight, for what will have been over two years by then. When and how soon, after I am no longer misgendered woman, will the cops be called to come and contain and erase my presence? How soon before the purse clutching the sidewalk crossing. What does it mean to become a brute? To turn my body into another kind of threat? She's stunned that I'm already recognizing this. I can't afford not to and seen. Who can see me and my black trans kin in the skin we are in? Who dares to love us? Who holds us close? To whom do we matter other than to ourselves? We're not looking for saviors. We have each other. As Lilla Watson said, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because you recognize your liberation is bound up in mine, then let us work together. Let us work together to make black trans lives matter the lived experience of black trans people out in the world. And if you believe that your liberation is bound up with mine, then I invite you to make black trans lives matter your personal ethic by being transformative, loudly and mindfully. You can do that in three ways. Transform your thinking about blackness and gender. Be loud by taking the risk to confront false assumptions, and others' fears and biases. Be mindful and pay attention and believe what black trans people say about our own lives. Being transformative loudly and mindfully takes practice, just like getting someone's pronouns right. Mine are they, them, there, and he, him, his, by the way. And getting someone's pronouns right and being transformative loudly and mindfully matters. Because black trans lives matter, my life matters, my body is a sovereign country, and my first sight of resistance.
6: All right, that was Dr. D.L. Stewart. You can find that on YouTube. It's a TED talk, Black Trans Lives Matter going to take a bit of a music break and then we'll get into some more uh news and information stay tuned also wanted to share the last two songs we played before the uh youtube clip was shine bright by star amarasu and that's from the major soundtrack and that's a great documentary for folks to check out and after that was i am her by shay diamond you
5: give others the safety of one
13: EM <laughs> You're waiting sick.
6: with UNITY and I've got a few more action items that folks can take Uh, the first is going to be a petition that folks can sign relatively uh, not very time-consuming this is tell Amazon ring to end its dangerous police partnerships you can find this at act.eff.org and uh, just a quick Bit of info about this, Amazon Ring has set up more than 1,300 partnerships with law enforcement agencies. This promotes uh, racial profiling by exacerbating suspicion and paranoia, vastly expands police surveillance, discourages free speech, and undermines trust between police and residents. Ring plays an active role in enabling and perpetuating police harassment of black Americans. Please join us in demanding that Amazon Ring end these partnerships. I have a letter to fuckface Jeff Bezos and Ring CEO... Jamie Simonoff, and you can sign that again if you go to EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. You can find that petition there. Um, Also, wanted to let's see, share an upcoming event that's happening: Uh, Abolition Can't Wait, a teach-in with Eight to Abolition. It's on Eventbrite. I also share a lot of these stories that I go through, I share on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at R O M A N R I M E R. And this is through Haymarket Books. Haymarket Books is an awesome organization. They publish a lot of great books and they have really uh, cool, I can't think of a better term, uh, social media account. They share lots of great information and they have a lot of talks that they've been sharing online. And it's all pay what you can. So obviously, please donate if you're able. Um, And also, if you can't, that's totally cool. Cause they have, it's just, it's a really great. Um, yeah, I think I'm at that point in the show where just lots of lots of information out there. So just wanting to report the facts here. Abolition Can't Wait, an online teach-in with hashtag 8 to Abolition, which is happening Thursday, June 25th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Again, this is by Haymarket Books. You can find the, it's on Eventbrite. You can find the information. And Pacific time, that'll be 2 to 3.30 p.m thursday june 25th it's an online event haymarket books they have information about it and, uh critical resistance uh, uh they okay so the eight demands there's a lot of information here that's what i'm trying to convey the eight demands of eight to abolition to fund the police demilitarize communities remove police from schools free people from prisons and jails repeal laws that criminalize survival invest in community self-governance provide safe housing for everyone invest in care not cops to find out more go to www.8 to abolition that's a number eight to abolitioncom so again that's a seminar that's happening um, from Haymarket books Thursday June 25th 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time an online teaching with hashtag 8 to abolition so please do check that out also wanted to share um, some bad news. I don't want to share bad news. It sucks. I'd rather just pretend it's not happening, but that doesn't do anyone any good. And Tennessee recently, they voted to make abortion illegal, which is fucked up and I just disgusting. Uh, everyone should have control of their own bodies. Not that much to talk about. That's pretty obvious. So that feels pretty disturbing. And I also wanted to share, let's see, there's a link from mm, narrow which is along the similar issues here, and this was from an email that I, let's see, the yeah, there's a, there's a book that's out called The Lie That Binds um, by Elise Hoag, who's, um, what is her role in NARAL? She's the president of NARAL Pro-Choice American, that's N-A-R-A-L. You can pre-order the book, and I'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, An indispensable account of the rise of the radical right, the lie that binds, exposes the hidden political infrastructure that has undermined our democracy for decades by weaponizing abortion through disinformation to drive a racist, misogynistic policy agenda. Narrow pro-choice America President Elise Hogue and Research Director L. Langford dig deep into some of the most dangerous and least understood forces in U.S. politics and offer an unflinchingly blunt prescription of steps that will be necessary to save our union from this deception and destruction read to learn how to slice through the tangled web of lies threatening our democracy to its core and see the light okay so that's a description of it and um, yeah Neral also does a lot of if you go to Narrell.org, you can find the book there uh, pre-order. They have a lot of other information as well as, w- as uh, taking action. Again, N A R A L. They do a lot of good work. Okay. Next up, what was I going to share? Do you have a list I made ahead of time? I got this because. Okay. Next up. Um, uh, oh yeah, I was talking about bad things. So in Charlotte, they've been not only arresting protesters, but they're arresting folks who are providing jail support, and now they're arresting their lawyers. I just read this on Twitter this morning. So, I don't have too much information about it, but it seems pretty fucking terrifying and disgusting. So, um, um, Jeff Taylor was one person who was tweeting about it. Um, Anti Fash Gordon. Uh, Police in North Carolina and Charlotte, North Carolina, are now threatening to arrest lawyers and demanding their home addresses. And. Greg Doucette, you can follow, um, has been reporting on crimes that the police have been occurring in the recent weeks. I know there's a lot to keep track of. Uh, You can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg, G-R-E-G underscore D-O-U-C-E-T-T-E. 559, Charlotte, North Carolina, after actually arresting public defenders In 545, uh, CMPD uh, threatens to arrest private defense attorneys when they show up to meet their clients. This is lawlessness, and um, they provide a story as well. So that's also what's happening, Uh, and fox46.com has the info. Oh, yeah, so entry five previous. uh, Okay, so they initially deleted the tweet. The previous tweet for 545, which was number 545, because the there was identifying info in the screenshot. So that's something else I mentioned in the previous episode is that it's – folks are – well, it's important to recognize how much is happening worldwide and to celebrate um, – to encourage other folks to rise up as well. Um, also, folks are being uh, – law enforcement has gone on to find people who are protesting and then arrest them as well as the FBI as well. And also the FBI has been coming to people's houses here in the Bay Area and to question people, and you do not have to talk to them. And there's a lot of information online about folks' rights. And what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, they got no problem fucking finding protesters and folks who have supposedly set cop cars on fire, which I think is a public service, um, yet they cannot fucking uh, arrest the folks who are killing people. The cops who are killing people, uh, Brianna. Gonna take a breath here. Uh, Brianna Taylor, who was murdered by police, they are still somehow not being held accountable, and uh, and also there have been lynchings in this country in the last week or so. Five men, five black men, have been hanged, and there, it's, it's, this terror is still fucking happening. And uh, it's, a lot of folks are under the assumption that it's, it's, it is the cops who are responsible, because they're the ones who are trying to say, oh, it's, they're just trying to make excuses about it, or make up falsehoods that somehow suicide, which makes no fucking sense at all. (sighs) There's also um, the son of a sheriff in New Mexico, who was a white supremacist, uh, shot a protester several times, and the prosecutor dropped the uh, battery charges against him. So this is, when folks are saying that, like the broken system cannot be reformed, this is what people are talking about. one more Uh, i'm just going to keep on moving through it's uh feels unnatural in a way there's so much that's happening and so much pain and violence and um it feels irresponsible to not talk about it now that you know there's a platform that we have here at the radio station to, to share what actually is happening and recognizing that corporate media does not seem to share what's happening and or when they do they have a a slant on it and or take law enforcement's word for it. And that's really, I think, irresponsible and causes far more, causes a lot more harm. So getting to the last piece of information that I had found um, here, uh, this is from The Forward, which is a Jewish publication. Uh, There's a new publication that's uh, centered on, uh, um, I'm having difficulty, uh, let's see here, I'm going to try to open up this article here, okay, new publication centered on Jews of Color set to launch on area of Juneteenth, and this is written by Irene Connolly, came out on June 18th. In the summer of 2010, hip-hop artists Yitz Jordan and Sha'is Rashon, an Orthodox rabbi and writer, attended the funeral of Yosef Robinson, a Jamaican convert to Judaism who was killed during a robbery at the Brooklyn liquor store where he worked. It was a tragic moment that gathered together large numbers of Jews of color, far more than Jordan was used to seeing in one place. We were all the only black families in our shuls, he said. We were all looking at each other, saying, How come I never see you? Ten years later, Jordan and Rashon are poised to launch an initiative they hope will make Jews like them feel truly seen by each other and the wider community. The duo are launching Tribe Herald, a news outlet centered around the experiences of Jews of color. The publication, which started as a weekly newsletter in March, will make its debut as a website the evening of June 18th, or as Jordan puts it, or of Juneteenth. They provide a link, I'm clicking on that right now, tribeherald.com. Wow, lots of information here, lots of articles, Um, there's an article, Juneteenth, Finding Liberation in the Face of Exclusion and Hatred, and uh, yeah, lots of articles here that will take quite a while to go through. They also have a profile on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, Tribe Herald launches in the midst of a national conversation on race and a reckoning within the Jewish community on long-standing failures to include Jews of color. In the wake of widespread protests over the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers, Jews of color have urged synagogues to end their relationships with the police and spoken out about Ashkenormativity and the conflation of white Ashkenazi culture and the multifaceted Jewish community as a whole. Some say that white Jews habitually question their presence in synagogue or doubt the validity of their Jewish identity. Controversy over just how many Jews of color there are has also heightened feelings of alienation and exclusion. In May, Jewish Philanthropy E-Jewish philanthropy, uh, published an article stating that Jews of color make up just 6% of the Jewish community, contradicting earlier estimates that place a proportion between 12 and 15% after the article's publication petition accused the authors of judging or devaluing the role of Jews of color in the wider community. Jordan believes the higher estimate has incorporated it and has incorporated it into Tribe Herald's mission statement saying the outlet strives to serve nearly two million Jews of color but he pointed out even the lowest figure estimates that there are 420,000 Jews of color in the United States a significant block whose contributions are rarely visible. In part Jordan argued that's because the Jewish media has neglected to cover them we're not consistently re- represented ever not as a multifaceted individu- individuals he said it's always a special interest story i went to this third world country and look at all these Jews i found or lo- and this in quotes or look at this person of color doing this thing we didn't expect them to do through tribe herald he hopes to set a new standard snippets uh, from the newsletter's coverage include an exploration of often overlooked native american jewish communities an overview excuse me an interview with orthodox rapper nasim black and an essay on confronting friends who are uncomfortable with the phrase black lives matter tribe herald currently boasts about 25 contributors and through an upcoming crowdfunding campaign jordan hopes to hire reporters to cover health and education in new york where both jordan and Rashawn have lived for decades Though the the project has been percolating in his head for years, Jordan was prompted to put it in motion by the wave of anti-Semitic incidents that plagued New York City in 2019, which, he said, intensified hostility toward Jews of color. When there is a conflict between Jews and people of color, Jews of color are asked to prove their loyalty, he said, as if a person could itemize their identity. People are feeling interrogated and under surveillance. At the time, Jordan and Rashawn hoped to launch Tribe Herald in conjunction with c- a community center catering to Jews of Color, and they provide a link as well, which I'm clicking on at the moment, seeing where this goes, and there's an article about that, um, about creating a JCC for Jews of Color, All right? That's, um, uh, as he secured nonprofit status for the fledg- fledgling newsletter, Jordan was also scouting for property in Brooklyn and planning a porn party to inaugurate the space. The advent of coronavirus has put those plans on hold indefinitely, but until it's possible to expand physically, Tribe Herald is growing virtually. On social media, Jordan has unrolled a series of pundit-style videos offering commentary on daily news. Verticals catering to queer communities and women are in the works. Jordan hopes those will attract Jews of all backgrounds, and in the current moment, he's optimistic about Tribe Herald's chances. This time has really brought systemic racism into the conscious minds of Americans, he said. I see this as a real opportunity to build a ton of bridges. And this was written by uh, Irene Katz Connolly. You can find it at Ford.com. Okay, I think that's about it. Oh, yeah, and we're just about out of time, so I'm going to play a little bit more music, and then we'll be back next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Mutiny Radio has shows here every day of the week. If you're interested in doing a show here of your own, please check out mutinyradio.fm, and you can find a way to do a show of your own here. Thanks again so much for listening, and again, lots of ways to show up for community, and yeah, grateful for all the folks and folks who have come before us to get us to this place where we can continue to Fight for what's right. All right, and let's see. Uh, okay, I'm gonna do one more song here, and uh, how about some Curtis Mayfield to to round round things up? Uh, have a great week, everyone, and we'll be back uh, next week. <coughs>
9: not child and don't cry. Your folks might understand you by and by. Just move on up toward your destination. Though you may Dream is your own scheme, so keep on pushing Take nothing less than the suffering best.
8: Be funny? Well my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well I mean you ever wanna be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh shit. From time to time I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two people paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? That's what I'm saying! It's the Joke Workshop, Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo!
15: Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains. Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only 35 a month. Business packages starting at 75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com and experience Subliminal SF.
4: Yeah.
8: You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. Yes. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash clubhouse. or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host, Pam Benjamin, brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe.